0: Catherine's going to read from Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 22. So it'll be Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 22, and ending at verse 35. So if you could turn with us to that passage in your Bibles or on your phone, and then we can read. Thanks.
1: The Council's Letter to Gentile Believers. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading among among the brothers, with the following letter, the brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements that you abstain from, what has been sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, And having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also.
0: All right, thanks. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you that you've stood up our hearts to be here, to worship you, and to hear your word. And Father, as I come to to preach and expound your word from the sacred scriptures, help me to be faithful, help me to be clear and understood, but I also pray that in return, we will all listen. We all have ears. Help us to listen and hear what the Word has to say. Your Word is always there to rebuke us and to to instruct us, but also there to edify us. The purpose is to edify us in Christ Jesus, to build us up so that we can be strong and courageous and fight a good fight out there in the world. Not in flesh and blood, but a spiritual fight where we can take Scripture and we can pray and take it to people. So, Father... Help us now and help me. Help us to honour your word. Help us to always put Christ at the centre of everything so that he and his spirit can build us up and can grow us and mature us in Christ Jesus. So, Father, thank you now for this opportunity to preach. What a privilege. What an honour. Have mercy upon me and have mercy upon all of us as we listen. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hopefully this morning we're going to... Um, <laughs> finish off with our series on how to respond to false doctrine we've spent three Sundays Um, two Sundays we looked at part one and we looked at um, disturbance and discussion from verses one through to verses 18 and then two Sundays ago, Sunday before the baby dedication Sunday, we looked at part two and we looked at our third thing And that was decision, and hopefully this morning as we come to our final thing in part 2, verses 30 to 35, we're going to look at that as well. It's all about how to respond to false doctrine. And that was the big question. The big question was, how do we as a church, how do we respond to false doctrine? How should we respond to false doctrine? And we know from from this series that a false doctrine had arisen. The, they said in verse 11, this is the Jerusalem church and the Antioch church, this is what is true. And they said that we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus as they will. That's the Gentiles. The Jews will be saved by grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. And now some Pharisees, some Jews have come and said, no, it is circumcision that makes you saved it's partly jesus partly grace plus circumcision plus the law and you will be saved so false teachers have have come along and the sad thing is when false teachers come along they will try and disrupt the church they will threaten christian truth the doctrine of grace and doctrines doctrine of salvation that will come under threat and they will also threaten the fellowship. Christian love. And, and I'm going to read a list now, now, of, of, of seven false um, teachers that we need to be aware of. And, I, and I, it's a list that I got from someone, and I give him all the credit, Tim, Tim chalice and, and this is his quote starting. And I, and I read this last week. Someone said, Satan's greatest ambassador's are not pimps, politicians or power-brokers, but pastors. His priests do not peddle a different religion, but a deadly perversion of the true one. His troops do not make a full out frontal assault, but work as agents, sneaking into the opposing army. Satan's tactics are studied, clever, predictable and effective, therefore we must always remain vigilant. And Jesus warns us, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves, you will recognise them by their fruits. So we know from that little scripture verse that false prophets and false teachers are going to come from within us and they're going to peddle and they're going to peddle the gospel and they're going to masquerade as teachers of truth, but they're not. So here's a list briefly. I'm going to be quick, he has a list. The first false teacher that we must look out for is the heretic. This is the most prominent and perhaps the most dangerous of false teachers. Peter warned us in his second letter but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master, that's God. Who bought them and bring in upon themselves swift destruction. The, he- the heretic is the person who teaches what blatantly contradicts an essential teaching of Christian faith. He's a gregarious figure, an outgoing figure, a natural leader teaching just enough truth to mask his deadly error. Yet in denying the faith and celebrating what is false, he leads his followers from the safety of orthodoxy to the peril of heresy. Another person we must look out for is the, the charlatan. He's only interested in the Christian faith to the extent that he can fill his wallet. The charlatan is the person who uses Christianity as a means of personal enrichment. Paul charged Timothy to be on guard against him. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. They're always there to gain something and that's their, their back pocket. The charlatan is only interested in the Christian faith to extend that he will fill his wallet. He uses his leadership position to benefit from others' wealth. Then there's the prophet. Now when I talk about the prophet, this is someone that claims to be gifted by God to speak fresh Revelation. I'm talking about fresh revelation, adding to Scripture, or even taking away from Scripture. And he will speak fresh revelation outside of Scripture. New authoritative words of prediction, teaching, rebuke, or encouragement. In reality, though, he is commissioned and empowered by Satan for the purpose of misleading and disrupting Christ's church. John offered an urgent warning about him. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Then there's the abuser. He uses his position of leadership to take advantage of other people. Usually he takes advantage of them to feed his sexual lust, though he may also desire power. But Peter and Jude were aware of abusers. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. The abuser claims is tending souls, but his truest interest is ravishing bodies. He works his way into women's lives, homes, and beds. When he is not pursuing illicit sexual pleasure, he may be domineering people to gain power, abusing them on his path to prominence. He does this in the name of ministry, with the claim of God's anointing. He unapologetically uses and abuses others to feed his lusts. Then you have the divider. He uses false doctrine to disrupt or destroy the church. See, the divider is devoid of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in us to, to give us love and bear the fruit of love. His special work, the Holy Spirit working in us, His special work is holding believers together in bondage and peace. But when the divider comes, this false teacher, he brings strife, not love. He generates factions, not unity. He desires discord, not harmony. He sometimes makes a minor doctrine into the mark of Christian maturity causing factions to arise within the body. He may slyly introduce unbiblical doctrines or he may undermine the ordained leadership. He does all of the perverse satisfaction that comes with destruction. Two more. The tickler. Now this is big in churches. The tickler is the false teacher who cares nothing for what God wants and everything for what men want. He is the man pleaser rather than the God pleaser. Paul thought of him as the ear tickler. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. The tickler craves popularity and praise from the world. To maintain his followers' respect, he preaches only the parts of the Bible that deem acceptable. Therefore he speaks much of happiness, but little of sin. Much of heaven, but nothing of hell. He gives them only what they want to hear. He preaches a partial gospel, which is not a gospel at all. He preaches an empty gospel to a packed out church. And then finally, there's the speculator. He's the one obsessed with novelty, originality, or speculation. The author of Hebrews warned his church of these strange teachings. Paul told Timothy to protect the church against any different doctrine. Teaching is focused on speculation it displaces the sure and steady doctrine of Scripture. The speculator tosses aside the bulk of the Bible's content and the weight of the Bible's emphasis in order to obsess about matters that are trivial or novel. He grows wary of the old truths and pursues respectability through originality. Sometimes he plants himself in academia, where one of his recent masterpieces is a reimagined God who is unable to see and know the future. While the poor label the speculator a contradictory, irreverent babbler. So those are the people we need to watch out for. Those are the people you need to be aware of. They come disguised. They come in as sheep are dressed in wolves' clothing. So now we're going to come to Acts chapter 15 again verses 1 to 29 but this morning now we're going to look at our final thing our fourth thing from Acts chapter 15 verses 30 to 35 to help us how to respond to these false teachers because one will and, will, will, and can arise amongst us we need to be aware of how to handle them how to handle them in love in, in, and, and how to how to deal with them. I'll just recap quickly. Last week we looked at verses 19 to 29 and we looked at our our third um, thing to help us to respond to false doctrine and that was a decision. We know that from verses 19 to verses 29 of Acts chapter 15 there was a decision. And then... A decision came in the form of a letter. Some men, that was Paul and Barnabas and Judas and Silas, they worked together in harmony, in love, in, in united together in the Holy Spirit. And they came up with a decision and they put their words on a letter and they delivered this letter together to the church of Antioch. That means they had to walk another 500 kilometers from Jerusalem down to up to Antioch. Or down to Antioch. And praise the Lord that these men were clothed in love, in compassion, humility, because they were men filled with the Holy Spirit, who came together interpreting the acts of God in light of Scripture. And that's important. We always look at Scripture. What does Scripture say about these false teachers, or about what they are teaching? So it's important that we use Scripture. Someone said the Spirit's work in leading the Jerusalem Council was to provide a solution consistent with the truth of the gospel, enabling Jewish and Gentile Christians to live together in love. So they worked together in love and they used the scriptures because that gave the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak to them through the scriptures and then an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work in their lives what they need to do and how to respond to this false doctrine. So they came up with a decision and they delivered this letter. And that brings us to our fourth thing. So if you want to find out more about part one and part two, then you're welcome to go to the website. You can listen to the sermons there. But now we can look at our fourth thing and our final thing to help us to respond to how to respond to false doctrine. And our fourth and final thing is deliverance. We read this in verses 30 to 35 of Acts chapter 15. These godly apostles, these godly leaders... They are united together in Christ Jesus. They work together, clothe in love and compassion with the Holy Spirit. They now deliver this letter to the church of Antioch. And it's amazing when we sometimes have to confront people. We are so full of excuses. Either it's too hot or uh, I'll give it another day. Maybe um, I'm going to offend them. We, these guys are so embraced with, with serving God with His love that they have to walk 500 kilometers back putting their lives on danger obviously stopping and having fellowship with Christians along the way but they're not bothered about all that their one concern is to take the truth and defend this truth and take it back to the church of Antioch and make it known to brothers and sisters because they're for what the false doctrine will do to them how I can, I can ruin the truth and divide the church. But the beautiful thing there, and it's important to notice, when they arrive, they don't first go to the pastor, let's sit down, let me check the letter out. Okay, now you can deliver it to the leadership, and now we can deliver it to the church. They go straight to the church. There, they gather the congregation together, verse thirty. They've got nothing to hide. They're not interested if the, the I's are dotted or the T's are crossed. The most important thing is that there's truth on this letter that people need to hear. And Paul and Barnabas and Judas and Silas are going to deliver this beautiful letter. And this letter is expressing one word life. And I think it's important that we can learn from this. There are times to send someone an email. There are times to send someone a letter. But sometimes it's a good time to deliver the email or to deliver the letter. I don't know how you'll deliver the email. You'll have to print it and then go and take it to that person. Have a cup of coffee. Sit down with the people. I notice a lot of people can be tough and strong behind a computer, but when they come face to face, they're different. And we need, to, we need to realize as Christians, we have something that was given to us a gift, and that is God's love. And this is what these guys bring back. They come back in God's love. And this letter expresses loving unity of both the trying God and these people that are all going to come together now. And this is what Jesus wanted from us. When there's a dispute or a conflict or, or there's a false teaching, He wants us A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, especially those who profess to be true Christians. doesn't matter how the false people react or relate. Let them throw their character out the window. But not us, brothers and sisters, as Jesus has commanded, I give to you a new one, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. But all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. We will soon find out in a dispute or when men come around the table where their heart is. If it is for the love of Christ, they will be, they will be loving, they will be gentle, and they will be concerned to, to, to listen to the people. They will not think more highly of themselves. They will treat people as they want to be treated. But when it's not about God and it's about me, that will show. We cannot hide that fact. All the, 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 the real person comes out who they really are. When these men bring this letter, which ex- expresses loving unity, yeah, we see one of the finest Christian love. It's the finest love that we can ever see from this letter. How often we just read over this letter and uh, it's just a letter. Let's move on to the next passage or whatever. It's the finest Christian love. And I've ever looked at it. And just by reading around and, and spending time in this passage, it's so true. When we have to amend a constitution or we have to, to bring something to the church, do people see finest Christian love? What will they see? Men dominating the church. Or will they see men who are shepherding? the church in love because when a church gathers together and there's just fighting and quarreling tempers flying, harsh words said this tells us that the love of God is not there. God is not present Our Holy Spirit is not present he's not at the center of their discussion but not with these men, these men are godly men, yes they have their weaknesses we'll see that coming up in the next passage, Lord willing, next Sunday. But these men come clothed in humility, compassion, love. And they gathered the congregation together and they deliver this letter. With boldness and with love. Speaking the truth in love with a tender heart. To the church of Antioch. I mean, you've got these Jewish men mixed with some Gentiles coming there. And delivering a letter to mainly Gentiles. They bring the truth. That proverb says, A wise man's heart guides his mouth, and lips promote instruction. All gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. These godly ideas bring God's word. They bring real knowledge, God's knowledge, not their own opinions and indifferences. Another proverb says, gold there is and rubies in abundance but lips that speak knowledge especially knowledge of God are a rare jewel a precious jewel it was so lovely to hear Chris at the men's breakfast talk about his grandpas or his grandfathers and how he told them about their character and humility and how they brought truth And and their lips would speak knowledge of God back. And they did it in humility. We need men like that in the church. We need men like that in leadership. We need men to put away their pride and arrogance. And to clothe themselves in Christ. And bring His love, compassion and His wisdom to meetings. Not their own agenda. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's all about God. He gets the glory, not man. And the beautiful thing is after they speak God's knowledge, His word, which expresses the graciousness of the gospel of truth, the congregation, they rejoice because of its encouragement. It just shows you what love and compassion can do. It brings, it brings gladness and happiness and, and joy to the heart. And they rejoice of its encouragement. It encouraged them what did it encourage them how they need to live in this world before god but it also was encouraging that they are saved by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone for god's glory alone that they that they didn't have to they didn't need to fear their salvation that it was not genuine imagine that gain on if someone comes in there and they start sowing false doctrine that mark has told you guys that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. What does it do to your assurance of your salvation? What would it do to your salvation if you haven't been baptized? And someone came in and started speaking falsehood, false doctrine to us. It creates chaos. It creates a disturbance. It creates an, a, a lack of assurance of, of what is the truth then? Guys, what do, what do we need? It's all about grace, through faith. Christ Jesus. Someone said legalism produces fear, guilt and pride. And this is what these false teachers were doing. This is what false teachers do. They produce fear guilt and pride. While grace alone brings comfort and hope. Because our hope is not in us. It's in Jesus and His teachings. And in verses 32 and 33, again you see brotherly love, God's true people are united, not only christ jesus but they're united to each other as well they come they listen and they are strengthened they first they bring this letter and then judas and silas who were themselves prophets they then encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words many words not their words words that that god would have encouraged them with to encourage the people they love the people, they teach, they preach so that they can allow God's grace to build these people up. They don't bring their own wisdom, they don't bring their own ideas, they don't bring their own opinions because that cannot produce any growth in Christ Jesus. They need to bring the will of God's grace because of God's grace alone will build the church. He wants to do it. He doesn't want us pastors to get in the way. He wants... Let God be God in the lives of people. Let Him get into the hearts of people. And He can build up His people to live together in love and harmony. And then we know that after these these brothers were there for a while, some of them went back home. They were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. And they had to walk back another 500 kilometers. But do you see how they go back? Or how they were sent off. They were sent off in peace. That's another thing. If we have AGMs or courtly general meetings, after we've had any issues or discussions, do we walk out here in peace? Even though we might have agreed or disagreed with secondary things, with little things. Do we walk out that door in peace? Because grace will bring peace. Legalism will not bring peace. Traditions will not bring peace. But God's grace is a gift from God, and that brings peace. Why? Because peace is a gift from God. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And these men, it was a visible indication that these men had God's peace that Christ gave them when they were saved. And together they walked out in peace and love. Not thinking, ah, what did that church think of me now? What did that church think of us? Did they really listen to us? They could go back and tell the Jerusalem church that those people rejoiced in the letter, and there was peace. Not, I'm not sure. Maybe we've got to go back in six months' time and see if they're still loving one another. Let's 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 always make sure that Christ is the centre of our church, that His Word is at the centre of our church. But what happens when these men leave? of Paul and Barnabas remaining in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And that's the beautiful thing. It's not about them bringing their agenda. No. We see Paul and Barnabas continuing to teach and preach the word of the Lord to the brothers and sisters in the church of Antioch so they can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they can grow up together. And the beautiful thing, many others also joined them and did the same. That salvation is by grace alone, in faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. Deliverance, this fourth thing that will help us to respond to false doctrine, will we do it in love? Will we, will people see what we see in these great leaders? These men who are clothed in love. Because what they did reflects an unwavering concern of both truth and love. How they established the doctrine of salvation on the doctrine of grace alone. Not giving Satan the opportunity to get a foothold in the churches and destroy them. Scripture drives Mm -hmm. out Satan. In your home, it drives out Satan. In your workplace, it drives out Satan. I'm not saying if you work for an unchristian place or an unbeliever's place but it's you in your office will drive out Satan you won't listen to what people say to you and how they will try to influence you or why do you you read that stupid book It's ancient and then start saying doubt in your mind you know man lives on bread alone I'm sorry man lives not on bread alone but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God so these four things that we looked at from Acts chapter 1 through to verse, or Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 1, through to verse 35. Disturbance and discussion, decision and deliverance to help us to respond to false doctrine. Will we learn from these men? Will we learn from this chapter how we need to respond to false doctrine? How we should respond to false doctrine? And if we want to respond in a godly way, we must come together clothed in love and harmony. Especially the leaders. And we must be united together as brothers in Christ. United in Christ. United in the Holy Spirit. And come to the scriptures so the Holy Spirit can, can show us how we need to respond to this false doctrine. These false teachers in love. Especially when it comes to grace alone. We always need to keep our eyes on the cross. To know that we are saved by grace through the Lord Jesus that there is only one way through Jesus. He said it. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But we will we also listen to Paul's words. he has told us. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works. That no one should boast. Will we use scripture? Will we use God's love? In how to respond to false doctrine. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we could come to this part of Acts, Acts chapter 15, and learn so much from how leaders, pastors, how the leadership in the church should respond to false teaching, to people that come in and want to destroy the church want to upset the church, break the love and harmony and the unity in the church. But Father, give us wisdom to always work together in love and harmony, to to have the scriptures as our base from which we, we respond to false teachers. So that the Holy Spirit can do a great work through us into those hearts and lives of people and move them on or bring them to their senses so they can see the truth. Father, give us wisdom, please, to, to, to respond to false teaching in this church if it arises and when it arises. Help us to be alert. Help us to, to, to recognize the disturbance. Help us to, to, to discuss it in love. Help us to come up with a decision in love. And help us with our deliverance to do it in love and speak the truth with a tender heart back. So Father, we, we pray for wisdom. Thank you again for the book of Acts that we can be reminded how to respond to false teaching. Whatever we do in the church, may we always do it for glory and for the sake of Christ's name and for your glory, Father. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Music.